Hi friends, I am here to let you know that we are going to be doing a live show for our season finale. That is going to be on July 23rd at 5.30 Pacific Time, 8.30 Eastern Time, and it's going to be super fun. Jesse and I will be dressed as pirates. You're invited to be dressed as pirates. Uh, we're going to have some special guests. We're going to, you know, talk all about the episode. It's on Zoom, so you can come from anywhere in the whole world. Tickets are only $10, and you can get them now. Uh, tickets are up on Eventbrite. If you search for Farewell Bonnets Playthings, the Gay Pirate Podcast finale, or you can just click the link in the show notes, which would be easier. Tickets are limited, so even though it's on Zoom, you might want to snag yours while they're still available. And I think that's everything you need to know. We can't wait to see you there. It's going to be a great time. Avast, ye... And welcome to the Gay Pirate Podcast, where two queer IRL pirates talk about our flag means death one episode at a time. I'm Lark Malachi Gray, and I am the Kraken. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Stop that. Uh, I, I am Jesse Blount, and Muse, why have you forsaken me? Um, and for listeners at home, just for the record, what just happened is that I dramatically unzipped my hoodie and revealed the fact that I am wearing a tank top that makes me into a kraken. So it's great. And there will be something on social media revealing it <laughs> at some point. Uh, I'm glad. I actually I actually did look through my closet and as close as I got, because it's too, it's too hot to try to put on a black sweater or turtleneck. So I got a... Bearded naked dude flying through the air instead. Nice. Okay. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about episode six, The Art of Fuckery. And we start off with Izzy complaining in his diary that ugh, Ed hasn't killed Steed and they're just like hanging out all the time and laughing and having homoerotic sword fights. And Ed has a crush and I don't like it. Especially when the sword fighting turns into homoerotic stabbing. <laughs> anyway... The crew is gathered around on deck to hear spooky stories, and Fang and Ivan clearly see what Izzy refuses to, which is that Ed has gotten real comfortable and is not going to kill Steed. Ed tells a story about having seen the Kraken murder his dad and how it's changed his relationship to fear. In fact, he continues along, along this theme about how to manipulate fear the next morning, starting out with a fake fog, fireworks, and some theater tricks to scare the shit out of the crew. Unfortunately, this bit of fuckery triggered Button's fight-or-bite response with Lucius's figure taking some nasty damage. Izzy is not having any fun, and he, Ivan, and Fang stage an intervention. Turns out Ed has a disturbingly strict no-pets policy on his, on his ship, and the leather dads are like, how is this different? As opposed to being like, hello, this is my future husband, Ed agrees to send Steve to doggy heaven, doing something that he loves. Something like Steed's plan to create a fuckery for a nearby Dutch merchant ship. Izzy agrees with Steed that now is the time, thinking that he's finally set the stage for Steed's murder. Steed, meanwhile, has put on his thespian turtleneck and gathered the crew to brainstorm the fuckery. To little success because halfway through, Lucius passes out. He's taken to the infirmary, aka the kitchen, where Roach is ready to do some amputation. Lucius comes to just in time to avoid that. In Steed's quarters... He's, he- he's heavily on a little brandy break, 
while Izzy creeps out of the library to goad Steed for a bit, but giving him inspiration for the fuckery. Steed goes back to the crew, and they've already devised a plan to do a bunch of scary stuff with Steed's idea as the finale. On deck, Ed is trying to psych himself up to kill his darling before Frenchie leads him to the front row seat for the fuckery in Steed's bedroom nook. It's time, and the Dutch merchants come aboard the seemingly empty ship, only to encounter Steed, the Swede, and Pete in all black, basically introducing this performance. Frenchie and Wee John, as a witch and cat respectively, scare them below deck, where Steed's room is decked out in his community theater finest. Ed is already behind one curtain to watch slash stab Steed. The Dutch are hurried into Steed's room, where Buttons is pretending to rip out Roach's throat with his teeth. Then Jim's behind another curtain, play acting like they're ripping out someone's guts when Lucius stumbles in the fear haze. His finger is super gross now, and he chops it off with some scissors before passing out. Even Ed is impressed, ditching his weak murder plan immediately. The Swede emerges now, singing something operatic and beautiful as Steve returns to the stage for the grand finale, The Kraken. This freaks Ed the fuck out, and Ed's appearance freaks out the Dutch so the show is over. Ed ends up hiding in the bathroom, triggered because he actually killed his shitty abusive dad. He is the Kraken. He also, he also tells Steed about the plan to basically single white female him and why, and why shit like this is the reason he has no friends. Steed is willing to forgive and forget for his friend Ed, which is a relief all around. After composing themselves, they come out on deck to the applause of the crew and Ed gives some really excellent reviews of the performance. But fucking Izzy Hands ruins the moment by calling out Steed for a fucking duel for Ed's heart. I mean, to do what Ed won't do. <clears throat> Everyone is worried for Steed because Ed's swordplay lessons were probably 90% flirting and Izzy has skills and a boner to kill Steed that he's had from day one. The duel commences, the loser banished from the ship. The crew cheers Steed on during this intense duel until Izzy disarms Steed's and stabs him in the gut. In fact, Steed moved so he got stabbed in the exact magical spot Ed taught Steed so he wouldn't get killed. And the mass is made of hardwood, which means Izzy breaks off the pommel of his sword trying to get it out of Steve, thus losing the duel. So everyone's favorite red little chihuahua is off the ship, and Steed is still pinned to the mast, lol. Lucius's cut-off finger gets a lovely sea burial, and Pete gives Lucius a new handmade wooden finger because he's better at showing his love than saying it. We end at Spanish Jackie, where Jackie and Geraldo are visited by one Mr. Hands, with a proposal for a very lucrative plan. Yep. All right, folks. If you like this show, please rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to support us on Patreon, we're doing fun pirate stuff all summer. Like, at the time that this comes out, the previous Saturday, we will have watched Hook with our patrons. And next, we're watching Cutthroat Island with our patrons. Um, so that's at patreon.com slash thegailyprophet. Also, we have really cute merch in our shop, including a throw your parents to the Kraken (laughs) shirt and tote bag that I designed. If you don't know me from our other podcasts, I really like to say throw your parents into the sun, but throw your parents to the Kraken is even better. So that exists and it's great. Uh, That's at hashtag ruthless.com slash shop. Also, we're on social media at The Gaily Prophet on Instagram and Twitter. Remember that this is a fully spoiled podcast, and with that, we will enter our first segment, Talk It Through as a Crew, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Um, so obviously the first 
Not the first gag. The gag when Steed is finishing up his story is that he is telling the like hook hand story incorrectly. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I'm just imagining that he has heard the story before, but like has just misremembered where the hook is. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone's like, it makes no sense. And it's like, yeah, this does not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and the hook hand story also doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, um, yes, I love the fact that the first question is, how does he kiss? (laughs) Priority. (laughs) He doesn't kiss. No one likes him. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) It's so good. Um, My first note is actually just the part where Izzy just thinks that Steed and Ed are just straight up fucking on deck. (laughs) (laughs) like i mean i don't know he knows ed pretty well maybe that's maybe that's a thing that i mean i feel like ed and calico jack probably would have been like yeah we're just like we also love an audience just like lucius and pete maybe but yeah or like that's definitely the kind of like chaotic couple that just doesn't give a fuck that's like whatever we're here i want to have sex let's just do it on deck yep yeah Yeah, his acting in that moment is, like, really incredible. Just the amount of things his face is doing is pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say that, uh, call out the return of Ed's huge-ass weed pipe that he's (laughs) smoking while they listen to this (laughs) scary story. Yeah, Um, I thought of you because, you know, his face when he starts telling his story, it's like very clearly the face of someone intoxicated. And I was like, yeah, Jesse was super right that this is the weed pipe. Jesse nodded in the affirmative. um okay i really appreciate that i don't know if you noticed this when ed is telling the story of the kraken um getting his dad the music there's this really dramatic music playing and it includes the swedes singing from during the fuckery well i did not it's really good okay that's incredible yeah um i just love how ed's crew was prepared with their diy party city they have a fog machine they have fake thunder (laughs) they have fucking fireworks i'm just like is is there like a party city in the republic of pirates what where did you get all this stuff of course there is (laughs) jackie's husband also runs the party city Obviously. This is why she needs so many husbands. It's because she has so many businesses. She has a lot of overhead, as we found out in this episode. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and I feel like Jackie is just, like, barely behind Ed in terms of, like, bringing the drama, you know? So, of course, she has a party city. Uh, I feel like this is the episode where we start really getting buttons in full in his full wonderful self Mm -hmm. uh and the way that he wakes steed up just i don't know his delivery of everything just there's something witchy afoot and then like him like tasting the fog (laughs) 
<laughs> so good. Yeah, this is a great Buttons episode. I actually have more about him uh, later because this is sort of where I feel like we get a lot of Buttons as a witch. And so I feel like this is a good episode to start that conversation. Ooh, interesting. Okay. What do you have next? I feel, okay, so the tone of this episode is a really good mix of, like, comedy and, like, tragedy and feels and stuff. But that bit between Ed and Izzy, where Ed is up in the harness and Izzy's trying to get him down, and then he just, like, immediately gets, like, gets, like, is, like, having a tantrum. He, like, jumps down (laughs) off the thing and is like, I'm done with this. And Ed's like, I am stuck in this uncomfortable harness. And it's just... (laughs) It's just such a hilarious few seconds of just, like, slapstick comedy in this episode. It is. It's really, really good. It's so... It's just so perfect. Yeah. It's great. Um, What did you think of this, like, sudden and unfollowed up upon reveal that there are more members of Blackbeard's crew on the Revenge right now? I... It is... Honestly, I kind of wish that more members of their crew showed up besides just this episode because it's such a like interesting and like tantalizing kind of concept where it's not it's not just the revenge crew but there's like five other you know uh, guys for blackbeard's crew hanging out yeah like watching all this weird shit unfold (laughs) yeah so i'm like where is blackbeard like storing these dudes he's like you're not I don't like hanging out with you like I like hanging out with Ivan and Fang and Izzy. So, like, go away. You know? I don't know. Just... I mean, I guess... I mean, the ship is pretty large and also a TARDIS. So there's room enough for these guys to hang out in their own room and no one has to mention it ever again. I guess. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. Oh, jeez. Uh, yes. Uh, I think the person Buttons is referring to eating someone's face as himself oh yeah absolutely 100 percent. i figured i figured you would say that but i was just like (laughs) i saw someone and it's it's sort of like when you're like asking for a friend (laughs) yeah exactly (sighs) yeah um we get two really good puns in this episode we get buttons's summer teeth I don't know if that's really a pun. I don't know, but it's great. Um, For anyone who's listening who hasn't watched, he says, uh, oh, those are me summer teeth, and then takes out some of his teeth and goes, some are teeth, some ain't. (laughs) Really great. It's just, it's an excellent, it's an excellent bit of wordplay. Whoever wrote this episode is just like, "Mm, chef's kiss to that. Yeah, totally. Um, And then we get steed complimenting lucius's finger uh he doesn't know it was not fake at that point uh finger cutting off drama and is like that was quite the feat even though it was his hand and then (laughs) roach like cracks up and i think that's what makes it perfect to me is like oh roach loves a good pun that's great yeah i love i love all the little moments we get with like a lot of the crew even just like in the background like uh, which goes well into my next thing, which is Fang being so concerned about Lucius losing his finger because he's I like, he's know. a visual art. And I'm just like, I, know. I feel like after, was that last episode that Lucius sketches Fang? Yes. I feel like Fang is like, I don't care about anyone else on the ship, but Lucius. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's very cute and tender. Yeah. Uh, uh, my next point is also about Fang uh, crying about his dog that he had to have put down. I kind of feel like every time I think I can't love Fang more, I immediately do love Fang more, basically. And also the this moment of like his relationship with Ivan is also really beautiful, where just like... That it's so real. Like Ivan's compassion for him is so real, and it's just really beautiful. I know Fang is such a just tender teddy bear that I like. It's like I know he's also a vicious pirate, but I'm like protect him at all cost. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah. Like this is the same man who skinned someone alive with a snail fork recently in the last episode, but also like, yeah, he's. He's a super tender, wonderful human who needs to be protected. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there are so many animal people who are like, I don't really give a shit about people, but I would literally murder everyone for this puppy. So I'm kind of like, I think Fang is just one of those people. <laughs> I mean, and like fair, because people are pretty much terrible. And like, if you're going to skin someone alive with a snail fork, this super rude rich imperialist it's like yeah fucking do it okay yeah exactly <laughs> <sighs> so we get our first ed has a breakdown wrapped in steed's robes uh crying emoji because he is in the bathtub like he's clutching Ste- like one of steed's yellow robes to him and i'm like oh my mm-hmm. god mm-hmm. um and it's just for me crying emoji forever <laughs> Yes. Um, okay, I have to send you a a picture in the chat for this next point of mine. Okay. So I don't know, like, where this came into the fuckery, but this is something that Frenchie is holding, like, right after the fuckery. Oh, I was looking at that, and I was trying to figure out, what is this? I think it's the Eye of Sauron. I can't think of anything else. For some reason, I'm like, he has like a, one of those, you know, those like weird like glass globes that people put in their front yards that you can like buy. Uh-huh. Like a gar- and like, and my brain, I'm like, that's what that is. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. No, it's like a basilisk eye or like the Eye of Sauron. What the fuck? But it looks like a bowling ball with the Eye of Sauron painted on it. Is yeah, what it looks like. I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's so weird. Um... I think that whatever it is, uh, Frenchie definitely sewed it, created it himself, uh, along yeah. with him and Wee John collaborating on their costumes that they spent a very long time sewing. I just love there's more craft time for them. That's all. Yep. So the part in the episode where Steve goes back to the crew and they're like, actually, we've already come up with a plan and everyone's so encouraging about the Swede singing is just like so cute. And like Frenchie's like, fuck yeah. And it's just like, they're just so supportive. I'm just like, that's so nice. I know. <laughs> they're like, we're going to fit your singing in to this fuckery. We're going to find a place for it. And they did. And it was great. It was very, yep. it's very haunting. I don't know. It worked really well. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, do you think that Pete was like, oh, they're really definitely going to have to cut off Lucius's finger and like got to work on whittling this finger before Lucius had cut off the finger? Because otherwise, I just don't think enough time has passed that 
he would have been able to do this. Um, I think that it's definitely possible, especially since it doesn't seem like whenever Lucius ran, maybe they just couldn't find him between like him waking up in the kitchen and him stumbling into the fuckery in like a fever haze. So mm. I think, it, I think that you're right in the timing where it's like, cause it's like, you know, there's like a day and a half between them spying the ship and him getting sick and then like the fuckery. So I think, I think you're correct that he was, he started working on it pretty immediately and then was able to finish it up by the end of the episode. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. What else do you have? So Ed is obviously worried about, in the beginning, about this duel between Steed and Izzy. Because, again, I just, I think when when he's like, I didn't teach you that well, it's because, yeah, because you spent all your fucking time flirting with Steed and not actually teaching him any swordplay <laughs> that would right. keep him alive besides, you know, magical place on your body because this is a fantasy world where the only infections you get are funny. So. <laughs> right. And I'm like, please teach Steve how to protect himself and flirt another way, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he probably was like, I mean, if it ever really comes down to it, I can just protect him. So, yeah, you know. Oh, man, that would be a, I don't know, I don't know if I want to say a good season two subplot, but is Ed breaking his not killing a one rule to protect Steed and then feeling like all kinds of ways about it. Yeah. Anyway, but I don't want angst. I want romantic fluff, so. (laughs) It's going to be really angsty, though, for at least, like, the first three episodes, which I don't want. Okay, but that's okay, because what's great about romance is is that they end happily. This isn't like your average fucking prestige TV where it's going to be a fucking terrible ending where everyone's just fucking depressed or dead. It's like, this is a rom-com. They're going to end up together. (laughs) Like, Yeah, I mean, I know that. I just like, I, and I know most people probably don't feel this way based on what I've seen from like speculation and stuff. People are like really excited for like all this drama to be built before they reunite. But I would really like for episode one of season two to end with them already having resolved their issues and like back together for hijinks. Yeah, no, same. Yeah, I've skipped so many fan fictions because it's like I like exploring like postseason one angst and I'm like I don't want angst I want either fluff or I want porn preferably both I don't need any angst thank you yeah 100% (laughs) yes (sighs) so right because like the world sucks I don't need to watch them suffer I don't want to watch them suffer I literally want them to like all somehow pile into this rowboat find the revenge within minutes, climb aboard. Steed apologizes and explains what happened very clearly. Ed understands. Great. Boom. Back together. Episode two is like, whatever. Spanish Jackie's tracking them down because something, you know? Because she still hasn't gotten her money. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I would not mind a little more intense homoerotic sword fighting where it's like, actually, I don't want to fight you because we're in love, you know? I, yeah, I forget. Sure. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I just want yeah. I just want fluff. That is what I would like. Yeah. So everyone tell everyone you know about this podcast. Get them listening so that these words get to the ears of David Jenkins before season two is being produced so that it is known that we don't want angst. We want fluff and porn. I mean light Thank light you. light angst can be fine, but easily resolved angst. So. Yes, exactly. I think it's, I don't remember. 
I'm actually done with this section. All right. I have one more thing. I have one more thing, which is, I don't think I had realized how expensive, I mean, I don't know how much fucking making a ship costs in this time period. Who gives a fuck? This, this is a fantasy show. But I feel like importing wood for the masts of your ship, I mean, having it be a hardwood is probably good because it's out to the elements. But I'm just like, that seems extra expensive, Steed. I'm mm-hmm. sure none of these merchant ships are using cherry wood for Bra- from Brazil as their masts. Yeah. Which, of course, I mean, Steed is extra in the way that fags are extra. So I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm also just like... So I am notoriously bad at geography. Where is Barbados? It's in the Caribbean. I'm not good at geography either, but I think I looked it up. It's like in kind of the Gulf of Mexico. Wow. Sorry, everyone who... I'm not looking at a map if you're just like, wow, you dumb American, because I have no idea what I'm saying. Barbados, but Barbados is like that, pretty close. That's what I thought to too. US. So like Brazil is like not nearly as far from... Yeah. Where Steed was living slash having this ship manufactured as it is from like, yeah, I don't know, England, for example. Oh, yeah. So, okay, sorry. Not in the Gulf of Mexico. I fucked it up. But like off the coast of Florida, is that? So it's like, it goes like, no. so it's like, if you're like kind of like, if you imagine it as a diagonal, it's kind of like Cuba is here closest to the US and then like Puerto Rico and then Barbados is like closer to South America, but still, you know, sort of in the sort of area of what are like the Caribbean islands. Okay. So actually, yeah, it looks like Brazil is not that far from from Barbados at all. So anyway, cool. I'm sure we're still expensive, probably. But yeah, I mean, yes, I'm sure. Because he's a fa- he's a fancy man with a fancy ship. <laughs> exactly, and only the finest furniture grade wood for his mast. Hell yeah! Welcome to a crew of imbeciles where we talk about character development. I have poor slash terrible Izzy hands first. Yeah, I actually only have Izzy and Ed in this section, so. Cool. Okay. He's, he starts this episode honestly, like, pretty tragic. Like, he's deeply in denial. And, you know, you're kind of like, LOL, oh my god, Izzy, get, get with it, sir. And then, but like, when he's like, no, he's gonna kill him, he promised me. You're a little bit like... Oh, buddy, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. kind of tragic. Yeah, it actually, yeah. I actually have as my first thing is that Izzy is that person in the Taylor Swift song, You Belong With Me, where it's like, he's a co captain and I'm in the bleachers. And it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel, because I listen to that song, so I'm just like, okay, am I just like, making that up? from the memes and i'm like actually no i feel like izzy is the like how can you like him and not me like this you know yeah when it's like my dude have you ever told ed you wanted to take your relationship more than it is probably not so no and also i mean if steed and calico jack are our examples of ed's type it is just like very profoundly not izzy you know even though Steed and Calico Jack are very different, like very different, they are both like sort of big energy, extroverted, fun-loving people. They just love very different kinds of fun and like manifest that in different ways. Yeah, and are and are people who are kind of like I follow my own heart essentially, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it just I mean it just sucks for him cuz it's like 
becoming very clear how deep this Ed's crush on Seed goes. Yeah. And just like sort of the sl- the like realization that this isn't going to end how he thinks it's going to end. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I mean, as many like rabbit chihuahua jokes as like I want to make about Izzy. I mean, he's he's latching out because he's like in emotional pain that he does not want to acknowledge. Right. Which is kind of like, I mean, he's almost sort of like performing a fuckery on his own with like Steed and like trying to manipulate Ed and then trying to manipulate Steed into doing what he wants, you know? Right. Even if it doesn't work as well as the other fuckeries. Right. <laughs> because I think this the thing is, is just like, is he just doesn't know Ed as well as he thinks he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he... I think, yeah, a really important thing is that he's not in love with Ed the person. He's in love with Blackbeard the idea. Mm-hmm. And those aren't the same. So even if they were to get together, he would only be disappointed, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, and especially because that sort of level of wild, brilliant energy that I think is part of Izzy's interest it's like yeah like that's that is that is the performance of blackbeard ed's inner life right is safely behind that wall of the kraken and blackbeard you know but yeah it is also funny because i think that obviously while we've gotten up to this point with like izzy kind of being a more i don't want to say like in the box thinker but like what is the opposite of like out of the box like he like, I, f- I feel like, I feel like Izzy's, Izzy's thinking is always sort of in, like, based in the, re- in a reality that, like, really no one else on the show is. Mm. And I said it because I think that part of the reason why he really admires Ed is for, like, being more of an out-of-the-box thinker in a way that, like, Izzy is not, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the fuckery with the, not the fuckery, but, like, the thing with the, with the fog and, like, waiting for it to roll in. I feel like part of Izzy's attraction is sort of, like also like sort of a an admiration that Ed can do something that Izzy cannot. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think it goes both ways because Izzy's definitely killing people for Blackbeard. Whether he realizes that Ed is never the one to actually be slitting someone's throat, you know, for example, and just like maiming them. But that is definitely one of the one of the one of the tasks that I think Izzy has taken upon himself to as part of making sure Ed is content, I think. Mm-hmm. That's, I think we've covered all my Izzy stuff. You want to talk about Ed? Let's talk about Ed. Slash Blackbeard. Going from one drama queer to another. Yes. (laughs) I would like to start this conversation with this episode's astrology, if you will humor me. Yes, I'm here for this. I'm here for this. Even if no one else is, I always am. (laughs) Okay, great. So, you know, with, with both Ed and Steed, I think we have much more like depth and nuance to the characters so i feel like to really get into like what do i think is going on here i had to go like big three so here's what here's my proposal i think that ed is a leo sun pisces moon scorpio rising okay so you know for the not super astrology i don't know what words are right now literate no Familiar? Sure. I mean, I yeah, familiar. That's the word. Uh, listeners, 
you know, Leo Sun is actually uh, Taika Waititi is a Leo. They're very, it's a fire sign. They're very aesthetic is a lot of it. Also very passionate, very, they really want people to like admire them is a lot of Leo energy, but they're also very like kind and very giving. Um, Pisces is extremely emotional, very, very soft. I think overwhelmingly Ed has water sign energy, but there's clearly fire in there, you know? And everything about the way that he, like, Blackbeard presents to the world is so Scorpio. Like, head to toe black, like, the gothest stateroom, everything. And also, I mean, I don't know, it's very Scorpio to be, like, super into being stabbed as, like, a recreational thing. It just... Yeah, like he has like all of these feelings, but also all of these bar- barriers and a lot of showmanship, which both Scorpio and Leo have in common. So this is what this is what I think. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's an excellent reading because, yeah, I mean, this is the sort the sort of like, look at me vibes is very and like the very like attention grabbing, like charming bit is just like it, it feels like. It's very, very Leo to me. But yeah, I mean, all things about like the feelings is just like, yeah, totally. And I mean, I love that this is the episode where we really sort of get more into Ed's feelings that aren't just like his ginormous, obvious crush on Steed. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, we get a little bit of that also in this episode. Yes. But we also see a sort of... I feel like I use a bunch of different words in my notes to try to describe what is happening. Um, he and has a lot of shit bottled up. <laughs> yeah. He has a lot of undealt with emotional trauma from his childhood. And he's just, I don't know, he's just so sad and angry and lonely and like guilty. And it's just like, I don't know. It feels like, of course, you've put on this like unfuckwittable, no fear persona because like, you don't want anyone to see just how sad and like soft you are, especially, I mean, as a pirate, <laughs> right. As a biracial man, like any, as, as you know, uh, the things that Ed is, it's like being on the revenge is maybe like the first time in a long time, if ever, that he's <laughs> like, Ed is actually able to flourish versus Blackbeard. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we, you know, we get that confirmed in the conversation where it's Ivan, right, who says this is the most open and available I've ever seen him. Yeah, I I really feel like we get, like, the full spectrum of Ed in this episode, like, the theatricality of, like, be careful what you ask your God for, she just might answer. Oh my God, that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and like the fuckery itself you know like his fuckery is you know very like just so so theater gay you know but then we also get this like very into like i mean it also is hilarious but like i don't feel fear <laughs> it's just <laughs> um, uh one of the things that i particularly love is that you know, he's stealing himself to stab Steed and just legitimately gets distracted by being impressed by the fuckery that's taking place. Like, 
Lucius comes in, right? That's when he first gets distracted. And he's like, what? That was incredible. And then the Swedes start singing. And he's like, oh, my God. He's just like totally forgotten that he was about to commit a murder that he really didn't want to commit. Because he's just like, wow, everyone's doing a really incredible job with their theater right now. Yeah, that was very much a, oh, thank God, something else to, to, like, focus on and not trying to murder my only friend. I honestly don't think that it was like a, I don't think it was like, oh, I'm going to choose to get distracted by this as a way to not have to do this. Like, I think he got legitimately distracted. And that's what (laughs) makes me really happy is that he just was, like, so impressed by what was happening. I'm sure... Once the moment passed, he was, like, glad that it had happened and that he hadn't stabbed Steed. But, yeah. like, I think that the distraction was genuine. No, that does make sense. Yeah. The... <sighs> yeah, that was, I mean, that was pretty fucked up. So, like, yeah. Um, yeah, and we also just see, like, the most vulnerable Blackbeard. And we finally get the answer to the question that Steve posted in posed in episode two, which is how does Blackbeard deal with the killing people? And it's like badly. But I mean, on top of like, obviously, all of his uh, childhood trauma and abuse and PTSD. So it's sort of like, right. A lot of that's also mixed up into it, that level that like Steve didn't really have with murdering badminton. Right. But now we're on to the friends part of friends to lovers. So that's always great. Where it's like, yes. I'm still your friend, even if you try to murder me. <laughs> or yes. thought about it really hard and didn't actually do it. Yeah. Um, so I actually have Steed. I have a little bit of stuff about Steed, if that's cool. Yeah. And this is kind of like more about the show than it is about actually Steed. But like, that, like him you know, putting on this black turtleneck and, like, doing his hair so goofy and, like, literally just being, like, a Saturday Night Live sketch of a theater director. I know. (laughs) I know. It's so funny. It is. (sighs) Uh, So... I think we also get, I think it also gives us like good information, I guess, about Steed when he has the opportunity to win this duel. And instead, he just sort of like thwacks Izzy with his sword and like runs away like they're kids playing. And everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I just don't think it would ever have occurred to him to actually stab Izzy in that moment. You know, he's like, this is Ed's friend. Like, He's a dick, but whatever. I'm not going to kill him. What What am I, you yeah. know? <sighs> yeah. I kind of wish he had stabbed him. <laughs> Even just a little bit. Like, yeah. But, you know, Steed just isn't that person right now. He's... No. Even if anyone deserves to be stabbed by him, it is Izzy. He was still just like, eh. Yeah. So. Yeah. And my last thing about him is uh, the just hilarity of him giving this, like, lesson in, like, wood hardness to Izzy <laughs> while he has a sword literally run through <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Izzy stabbed him hard enough to go through that hardwood. Like, I mean, Izzy was ready to gut him like a fish. So... Yeah. <laughs> It really worked out for everyone that it got stuck it in the sure wood. It sure did. 
Welcome to Do You Fancy a Fine Fabric, where we talk about aesthetics. Uh, okay, so I am always constantly staring at the details on Ed's leather, leather coat. And today, I noticed that he has on his left shoulder, I was trying to figure out if it was a crystal, but it's actually like a shark tooth that sort of tied this like kind of like like leather cord on this on the left uh, like left shoulder of his coat and there's like a giant like shark or whale tooth tied in there interesting um, because ed loves natural sciences i think is what <laughs> between that and the taxidermy in his ship i'm like you're a weird nature guy and i appreciate that yeah i mean yeah it's a very specific goth aesthetic that I deeply appreciate. Same. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. Um, we really get treated to the full gift of the fact that Ed's, Ed's shirt is like a crop top in this episode. <sighs> Give thanks. <laughs> it's like, does he, are all of his shirts cropped <laughs> Yeah. I think so. It's so good. God bless. There's actually a character in the movie Fire Island where all he wears is crop tops that like of varying heights on his torso. Like that's all he you see him wearing. And I was like watching that movie and I'm just like, someone get at a like crop top that just barely covers his tits because that's like would be deeply <laughs> funny to me. <sighs> yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I want to bring up steed's uh pale pink outfit the only pastel we well not the only pastel one of the few pastel looks we get from him this episode and mm-hmm. i noticed that like it's not one of his usual coats i think it has tails mm-hmm. i think so too it's very like gay ringleader like gay circus ringleader which yeah. i love mm-hmm. for him and for us yeah it's very nice uh, I would like to say that Wee John is looking extra hot in this episode. Um, you know, loyal listeners will be aware of the fact that I am a sucker for men in eyeliner. He is wearing really exquisite black eyeliner. It looks amazing. Um, and his hair is just perfect. He looks great. Yeah. So, so hot. Um... The like his, they're real on the actor. The like star tattoos on his temple are also really good. But you know, his hair being like up off his face plus the eyeliner really like brings them into their full aesthetic beauty. And yeah, he just looks super fucking hot. Yeah, so. he has a he has a he has a very hot face. Um, sorry, I have I have to go back to Steed and his thespian okay. outfit. Yes. Which is clearly the only black article of clothing that he owns. <laughs> um, and he has like a little scarf like sash tied at his waist. <laughs> Just is. And the fact that he did his hair differently. His hair is so silly. Oh my god. <laughs> um it it just brings me endless joy just to be like, you're like, I have to get into character now. <laughs> It's so silly. It's such a good joke. I can't even. So this is like literally just an aesthetic point. I don't know if you've noticed when we like are sort of turning 
away as the um, Dutch, I don't know what the word is, the Dutch merchant people um, are like fleeing after having seen Blackbeard. You, we see Jim's silhouette behind the curtain where they were doing their like mm. s- their scene. They're like sitting on the table, leaned back so their side profile with their knife in their hand, which is resting on their knee, like extended. It is so dramatic, and I have to believe that they like finished their scene, got up on the table, got in that position, and were like, "And freeze," because. I know this looks incredible from the <laughs> other side. <laughs> I would believe that wholeheartedly. And it does. It does look incredible. Um, speaking a little bit of this, I think I maybe didn't realize that Steed's library had curtains or that each little nook had curtains until this episode. And it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, I love his, co- his commitment to excess in this. I mean, I don't know why the library needs a separate curtain, but all right, I mean, okay. It's for when you want, like, a quiet moment alone with a book. You pull up a little stool, light the one of the million chandeliers, close the <laughs> curtains, you know, get lost in a good book. Light, light the deeply impractical fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like it. Also, I really like those curtains. They're very cool. Yeah, they're very cool. Um... My only other thing here this week is that we see Jackie in a different all red outfit. This time it's leather. I think it's like a, it it looks, it looks like the texture of it looks kind of like it's like snake or gator skin. Yeah. And I'm like, of course you have a red gator skin jacket. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I just think, no. I just hope that's the word. We don't get it for long enough in this episode and we don't get enough of it. Like we don't see the the whole thing. Um, So I just really hope that it's what she's wearing the next time we see her, but I don't remember. So it'll be a surprise for me. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Also her like purple frilly shirt on like under, like like just like the frills are purple. The rest is like very dark color. It's just like, Jackie, let me be your 20th husband. There's a, there's a, position open now so (laughs) just give me a call back (laughs) yeah crossing my fingers for you (sighs) welcome to stark revelations where we talk about things that are fucked up i feel like everything i have here is just about ed's ptsd (laughs) yeah me too all right uh why don't you start things off i think it's someone who also has childhood trauma it feels very real to me that ed as a kid who murdered his abusive father who was supposed to take care of him and didn't and then created this story in his mind of the kraken to sort of protect himself as like Mm -hmm. a teen like we're assuming he's like a teenager in this um feels like a, a thing it just feels like a very realistic thing to be like how in your kid mind do you deal with this you just concoct something and then you come and then you run with it and then you become an adult and you're like oh wow i never actually thought about (laughs) that head on and normally that comes a lot of therapy to get to that point but ed gets it in a triggering community theater play so yeah which sucks exposure therapy (laughs) yeah 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 it is a lot i feel like you know because it's a fiction i'm like fucking good for you 
do it. Um, but also like want to make it clear that also I like that's not to in any way be like dismissive of the actual trauma that the character has has gone through. I don't really know where I was going with that, but I am pro throwing your parents to the Kraken. I don't know. His dad was a dick. Yeah. I mean, I mean, being a piece of a piece of piece of shit is fucked up. And especially if it's like, it's sort of like, I don't know. That just seems like a reasonable response to being poor in this time period and being like, what, what are my options? And being like, right. I could just kill him. <laughs> who's, who's going to find out? <laughs> who's going to know besides me? And I mean, that's still kind of a whole thing because Ed obviously still, even as an adult, and he's probably met a ton of shitty people and maybe a lot of people, he still like feels deeply guilty about this, even though you could argue it feels more justified than any other of his murdering and maiming. I mean, not his, like, he's not, he's, I mean, he's in sort of self-denial about him, like, not murdering people personally, where I'm like, if you're maiming people with before antibiotics, like, you're, you're killing people personally, my dude. So, but, yeah, not having to actually watch it happen, I think. Right. Yeah, and I sort of wonder, I wonder if it's, I think you can be fucked up about something without feeling guilty about it. Like, I don't know that he feel. I don't know. He might feel guilty about it, but I don't know that he feels guilty about it. But it still, you know, is an incredibly traumatic thing to have gone through. And I don't know, part of me wants to be like to have had to do because I think it might be reasonable to say because it's not like they could just leave. You know, yeah. it's, this was not that wasn't an option that was available yeah. to him and his mom in that in that time. Yeah, I guess I just think back to the point where he says, I'm not a good person. And I'm kind right. of like, I mean, I don't know if killing the person abusing you and your mom is like the thing to, f- I mean, like, I'm just kind of like, I hope that makes you a bad person. <laughs> right. Agreed. I mean, I think I'm thinking about the fact that it was like not uncommon for women to murder their husbands in that time and also to not be held accountable in a court of law for murdering their husbands in that time because they were just like yeah i mean what else were you gonna do it's fine you know yeah i mean yeah if it wasn't ed it might have been his mom at some point you know exactly i don't know it just is a lot of heavy stuff for ed and i just feel very it makes me feel a lot of feelings for Mm -hmm. him especially because like Definitely, like, crying uncontrollably and then having to, like, expose a vulnerable high yourself to someone you'd like to be like, I'm a broken person. And it's like, you're just being, it's, you're not broken. It's okay. You know? Yeah. I don't know. And just, like, like, the scene is so good when he's in the bathtub. It's just, like, it's like you're seeing right to that frightened, sad, lonely child, you know? Yeah, in totally. Because, like, who knows how long it's been since he's cried about this or you know even maybe thought about it more like in passing yeah 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 (laughs) welcome to the art of fuckery where we rant about stuff and we get to the title of this section anyway we do um (laughs) i feel bad for these dutch merchants because they have been tricked into participating in immersive theater 
<laughs> and I don't think anyone should ever have to go through that. I mean, it is better than being maimed by Blackbeard and the other people. Is it? <laughs> How many immersive theater events have you attended? <sighs> That's true. Because I have attended a lot. <laughs> like a lot. When I lived in New Orleans, like most of my friends were theater gays and doing, I mean, very well-crafted immersive theater, but like immersive theater is terrible for people like me. That's fair. Yeah, I don't do well on the spot, even to the point where I am afraid to talk to our patrons on Discord. Um, So being like forced to participate in a play (laughs) is ongoing i'm like absolutely not this is the worst also you all know me so you're like talking to me because you know me and i'm like oh my god no can you pretend i'm not here (laughs) anyway so i feel very bad for these dutch merchants for that reason i mean they do start pulling their swords they're just like i'm over whatever the fuck is happening (laughs) yeah that's as they should just like this, I have had enough of this nonsense. <laughs> yes, anyway. Um, my first thing is that someone please fucking get Fang a dog. Jesus Christ. And I mean, <sighs> I've never cleaned up a sailing vessel. I've never cleaned up dog shit off of a sailing vessel. Maybe it is really gross and hard. But like, let 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 Fang have something for him to nurture. <laughs> Yeah, dogs are trainable. You can definitely teach a dog, like, the area of the ship that they're allowed to go to the bathroom in. Yeah. I know. I'm just like, uh, dude, what? (laughs) I mean, I don't... I don't know. Because, you know, pirate ships have, like, 70 to, like, 150 people on them. If you're, like, you can have pets just sort of, like, as a rule, you could end up with the Hogwarts situation where you have 300 cats living in a castle and, you know, without magic, I don't know how you're going to handle that. That does sound like a lot. That's true. Plus you have to carry all the food for them and water for them. They can't just drink alcohol when you run out of fresh water. (laughs) I feel like a ship's cat makes sense though, because there are rats on ships. Yeah, you can have like a cat, you know. A communal cat. Frenchie would not be happy about a communal cat. No, not at all. You'd have to get a, a rat terrier. Maybe Fang could just keep one of the rats as a pet. Yeah. They're very clean. Yeah, something small. Or a bird, you know. Um, This honestly probably should have been in the first section, but whatever. Do you think that, you know, we have this bathtub scene, which is just incredible, so beautifully shot whatever and then it like sort of pulls back and then it's we sort of see steed and ed like sort of holding hands as if we're looking through a window maybe and i want to know if you think that this is like izzy spying on them interesting are we suddenly seeing through Hmm. his eyes that would be very good yeah and sort of in theme with the sort of almost like him narrating the first part of this episode anyway right so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, the first time I watched this, the way that the shot is constructed, I expected the camera to kind of like turn and reveal that Izzy is standing there looking through the window and it doesn't, but that doesn't totally convince me that that's not what's happening. No, that's fair. I could definitely see that. 
Especially since okay. Izzy has been lurking around this ship this entire fucking episode. Yeah. <sighs> he was probably, like, hanging back there, like, ready and excited to watch Ed stab Steed. And then instead got Ed, you know, sobbing and holding hands with Steed. <laughs> it's like, I'm gonna have to fucking kill this guy. I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think Buttons is a witch. <laughs> Okay, yes, I'm so excited to talk about this. Okay, so... And that just become he, like, runs into Steve's bedroom to be like, there's witchcraft afoot. But, like, I feel like him being like, I want to make love to the sea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's, like, deeply funny. But I want to combine that with... Buttons is like, hey, there's, like, a Dutch merchant ship, like, a day and a half from here. And I'm like, can you see that far away in your spyglass? And I'm like, Carl is giving him the intel about mm. what's going on around them. Because the only time we don't, we like don't have any advanced notes of what is happening is when Calico Jack kills Carl and Buttons is like, you know, obviously a wreck and then also like hexes him. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I'm kind of like. Yeah. Naked, naked moon bathing. Also very witchy. Very witchy. Um, and I'm like, you're all worried about Jim being a witch. Buttons is clearly a witch. Like he, yeah. it's not just like, ha ha, he speaks to the seagulls. It's like, they are having like a dial. Like, they, they can understand each other. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Buttons is a witch. <laughs> yeah, accepted. You're right. And like really good for them because it's uh, clearly there are benefits to having a witch on board, even if he does want to occasionally eat people. Yes. Um... Okay, this is my last thing here, is obviously I'm not happy about the amount of, like, Lucius's gross infection that we have to witness. I'm probably not happy about the amount of it that you're going to make me talk about in the science section. Sorry, friend. (laughs) It's not, it's not what I want. Um, The worst part, and I don't know if you noticed this, is that... Every time they show his finger, like, while it's still attached, but, like, once it's infected, there is the sound effect of flies buzzing, which is so effective. It's so evocative. There are no flies, but, like, we associate that sound with, like, decay. And it's really well done, but I hate it so much. Yeah, That's... yeah. <laughs> honestly, the first time I watched that, I, like, couldn't, I had to, like, look away sometimes. I'm just like, this is too gross for me. Yeah. I still have to look away every fucking time. No, that's I fair. do not want it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I have actually one last thing. Okay. Which is that we do not see Alawande until the very end of this episode when it's after the fuckery. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you where you thought he was because I have a couple of theories. Okay. Um, I mean, in general, my answer is like it was his day off, but that's not an in-world answer. So... <laughs> Uh, he was taking he was taking a mental health care day. No, I mean because there's always like like one episode like someone will be missing from each episode. I feel like because they're whatever mm-hmm. doing something else that day. I don't know. Maybe he had a headache. What is your what are your theories? So, considering that we see buttons, it could be that all the one day's on like steering duty. I don't know how mm. they're breaking that up, but I think more funny is that. Jim says two episodes ago that Olawanda gets lost in the ship sometimes. So I just kind of, I think it's funnier to imagine he got lost <laughs> in a like secret passageway or something. And it just took them yeah. a while. And like Jim's so caught up in this, like the fuckery that they don't realize that they're kind of like, 
are like, oh, you know, Allah will show up. And they're like, wait, I haven't actually seen him in like two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That line actually isn't until the next episode. So that actually would play really well. I thought, I thought that line happened already. Okay, never mind. So No, because it's when he's like, I tracked you following like the broken sticks and whatever. And they're like, um how like i see you get lost in the ship sometimes so it actually like would totally make sense if they were specifically referencing this episode <laughs> and he missed the show he missed yeah he missed his friend's big theatrical debut uh probably for the best though he would have been so anxious yeah he would have just been like i don't i don't like at all what's happening we're gonna let these yeah. dudes on the ship i'm sorry what yeah or so, okay, actually, this is a question that I've had that I forgot to write down. So, like, you know, Blackbeard's like, what? why Why are they coming on board? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Aren't we supposed to be raiding them? And I do actually think that there could be merit to this tactic if half of the crew were, like, going over to raid their ship while they were all on board this ship you know and you're like doing your fuckery and they're like what the hell and then they go back and they're like where's all our stuff yeah. you know that's kind of clever so maybe that's what was happening and Olawande was on raiding duty he w- he was with the other random people of blackbeard's crew to yeah. go steal tulip bulbs or something i don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are worth a lot of money so yeah a lot of a lot of still lives i don't know <laughs> Yeah, yes, that's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> Welcome to And They Were Co-Captains, where we talk about sexy stuff. Just the beginning uh, of episode. <laughs> Just, you know, yep. opening your crop coat to tell your crush to stab you, you know. Yeah, so this actually is the first thing that I ever saw that was from this show before I even knew that this show existed was I think the wussy mag Instagram account posted you know they do their like tweet roundups once a week and they posted a tweet from someone being like stab me take your sword run me through why can't gays flirt normally um (laughs) and I was like you know just like out of context that's fucking hilarious and I was like that sounds like something that penny would say about baz and simon and i like put it in our instagram stories and was like you know penny talking to baz and simon um and then like months later or at least a month later learned about the show and watched the show and was like oh that's from a thing that i like already thought was incredible um because it is it's like really good and also like super good gay flirting (laughs) Yeah, uh, I also just want to point out this is clearly not the only sword want Ed wants to see to run through him. Heyo! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. The... <laughs> I've been alive in the sugar just kidding. <laughs> oh, I'll, take my da- I'll take my dad jokes and leave. Um... Yeah, uh, Ed really likes being stabbed. The sounds that he's making. (laughs) Yeah, the, you know, Steed is like, are you happy now? I stabbed you, you nut. The face and the voice when Ed is like, yeah. He's like, he's very happy, okay, everyone? 
is very happy that he has been stabbed. I mean, that Steed has stabbed him, I feel like. Um, the number of scars. That is true. This is his kink, <laughs> you know, or at least part part of it. I, you know, and I think that a thing that that fans are like really perceptive about is the fact that like one of the reasons that Izzy and Blackbeard would never work out is also because Izzy wants to be topped by Blackbeard and like Ed is a bottom and that's really well established here in this moment you know yeah uh ao3 has one of the one of the tags that people use to tag their fan fiction is service top steed bonnet which i think is maybe one of my favorite tags in the (laughs) our flock means death ao3 collection because i'm like yes that is correct (laughs) it is correct (laughs) so yeah before we move away from this though also blackbeard is like very hot for steed having been stabbed and being like you know i i did it right or whatever and he's just like yeah gives a very like attracted look about it i mean you know who doesn't love knife play sword sword play (laughs) Mm, mm. so actually i feel like ed's whole his like face is during that because he like turns around when like Izzy disarms Ed because he like can't stand to see Steed be murdered, and then like his like look yeah. of relief, and then right his look of like a <laughs> of like attraction when it's like you're alive and oh, yeah. You've been <laughs> yeah 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 yes. What do you have next? Uh, just that you know once Ed and Steve talked about their feelings in the feelings bathroom, and Ed was just like tenderly laying his head on like Steed's hand, and I'm like. You guys are more than friends, and I love it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so more less sexy and more romantic. So yeah, yeah. Similarly, the way that Steed like perks up when Izzy says that Ed adores Steed is just adorable. I know these these dudes and their feelings. It's like I know. But again, like gay flirting, it's like, do you just want to hang, spend all your time with me and like flirt via swordplay and listen to me tell you about whale facts? Or is it just like, because we're friends? (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, uh, lastly, we just get our second bit of romantic feelingsy stuff when Pete gives Lucius the new finger and he's just like so nervous and it's just like... You can have this thing that I made, you know, or not, whatever. And it's just like, aw. <laughs> yeah, it's also we get our first, like, on-screen kiss of the show. Oh, wow. I hadn't even noticed that. Yeah. It's the first time we actually, like, see, you know, it's, like, clearly implied that they had sex, like, a few episodes back. But we didn't, we haven't actually, like, seen anyone do official gay stuff Yeah. yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice. I do. Th- I think that's the moment, you know, where it's like, this is what, like, we're going to get, like, actual gay romance, full representation, you know, not just like people being like, yes, we're gay. Yes, we're in a relationship, you know, like it takes a season and a half of Buffy before we get to see Willow and Tara kiss. So I know. yeah, this is the thing that we needed for it to be like, no, we're serious. Like, this is really, this is really happening. 
Oh, so I love it for them. <laughs> it's very Yes, sweet. it's so cute. Oh my God, that moment is adorable. I know. Because like, <sighs> yeah, I mean, this is as close as we get to seeing Pete be like even kind of vulnerable or express anything besides like anger or annoyance or admiration for Blackbeard. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's very tender. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the crystals attract demons where we talk about science and history and stuff the liver is 100 percent on the right side of the body let it be known (laughs) i think the amount that that fucked me up the first time that i watched this episode because i like know where the liver is like i have taken a lot of biology classes and like i'm just like I know where the fucking liver is, but then Steed being like, it's on the left. I was like, oh my God, do I, <laughs> do I not know where the liver is? I had to like go look up a diagram to make sure that I knew what I was talking about. Um, I don't know. It's one of, it's one of the things where I love the show's commitment to like not caring about science. Um, just, yeah, just say it, whatever. The liver, it's on the left. What about that? I mean, and Ed is correct. Like, most of the important organs are stacked up on the right side of your body. But if you stab someone on the left, you're going to perforate their intestines and then they're going to get sepsis. And yeah, die. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that actually was also my first thing. Cause yeah, it's like on the surface, okay, yeah. But even like where his stab wound is, it's like right, it's like to the left of his belly button. I'm like, you're going to hit your lower intestines and that's not great. <laughs> If it's close to the belly button, you're probably going to be in small intestine territory. But oh, I feel large like... intestine goes around the outside of your stomach. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, but we will allow it because the show is, in fact, a fantasy. And that is just the yep. magical spot in your body. You can get stabbed and not die of sepsis. Yep, so. exactly. Uh, I'm going to tone this down for you because I know you're going to be grossed out. I did a little bit of research. What's going on with Lucius's finger is pretty legit, but the time frame of him getting bitten to the point in the fuckery where he cuts off his infected finger is like not a realistic amount of time, unless Lucius was like diabetic or something like that would affect his like circulation and make, you know, all the gross crap in a human bite get infected. Um, But like the fever and the swelling and the confusion and like the smell, pretty on point. But by the time you're having a fever and stuff, isn't it already like spreading into your bloodstream? And then I mean, yeah, it's basically gangrene at that point. Yeah, which would look different and also would take much longer, even without antibiotics or cleaning it properly. So I think it's mostly just like for the gag, essentially. Yeah, definitely. And then he's just better like the next day. (laughs) Yeah, and we're like, yeah, and he's still like, you know, he's still narrating Steed's journal right Mm -hmm. yeah he's fine he's just better (laughs) um i want to talk about the kraken slash sea monsters generally yes um and the fact that what people were seeing when they see sea monsters is whale penises is this something that you're aware of i saw that tweet about the whale about whale penises being sea monsters yeah, I like read a whole thing about it a while back. 
they legitimately look like the kraken they're so big and like yeah they look, look like... like octopus tentacles yeah um and it makes perfect sense that you would see that and be like that's a fucking sea monster and they do just like fling them around out of the water just for funsies yeah. too so and i mean i'm sure like whenever giant squid like roll like you know come at you know are dead in the ocean or roll up on the beach people are just like this is a fucking sea monster I mean, that is a sea monster. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just I just love that that the Kraken is, like, actually just whale dicks. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that seems fitting, considering how, how much media in the world there is about sexualized tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh another another uh ao3 tag i keep seeing in our flag means death is consentacles (laughs) oh my god consentacle consensual tentacle sexy stuff Mm -hmm. and i just really just love that whatever it's called when you smush two words together portmanteau portmanteau of consentacles yes it's very funny it's very good What do you have next? I just have one more thing. Okay. Which is, um, even though there there is a rich history of how do you identify a witch and what a witch looks like, uh, witches with green faces, uh, from the best that I can tell, it originated with the movie The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> um, I wondered about that. I'm really glad that you looked at it. It doesn't actually matter because this show does who cares about uh, anything about historical accuracy, but I just really appreciated that Frenchie painted his face green <laughs> to be a witch. It's so good. <laughs> it's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to close us out with some, some history from our terrible history book. All right. Um, about, you know, quote unquote, IRL Blackbeard's uh, fuckeries. All right. Yeah. So this says, in order to show his crew who was boss, Blackbeard would think up wild tests of bravery and endurance, like creating a hell of his very own, which he did by challenging his toughest sailors to accompany him down below, where he battened down all the hatches and lit pots of lethal brimstone. As the choking yellow fumes filled the pirate's parlor, one by one the crew dashed on deck, gasping in the fresh air, while Blackbeard remained laughing below decks. I love how Blackbeard theater gay is yeah. somehow accurate <laughs> Yeah. I love that also in this lore, which again, like, it's known that most of it was made up by this historian in the, like, late 1700s. Um, somehow, like, Blackbeard the person was not affected by the lethal brimstone that was, like, choking all of his sailors. He just stayed down there, like cackling and like not dying you know you know it's a like it's like a like a sideshow trick like how people can eat glass or blow flames out of their mouths and all that kind of stuff yeah welcome to petrified orange where we do a lightning round of our new favorite things what is your first new favorite thing this week i just deeply love frenchie and wee john's um fuckery outfits <laughs> like Ugh. they have props they painted their faces like 
they went full on and i love yeah i love it for them yeah uh my first one is he's a visual artist you can't cut the boy's little thingies <laughs> your second one and i don't know if this is totally noticeable if you're not happy if you don't have the captions on but during the duel uh when izzy slaps d frenchie calls him a cheeky bitch it's so good and i just (laughs) Uh, yeah my second one also is like a sort of throwaway frenchie line (laughs) which is when steed comes back after his tantrum and says that he forgot the most important thing and frenchie says what to be interesting (laughs) (laughs) frenchie had so many good one-liners in this episode i feel like everything every line that he said was was just incredible (laughs) yeah yeah All right. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. We're going to be back next week. And, you know, look at the show notes for all of the places to find us and ways to participate. And also uh, go to the episode page on our website if you want to see pictures of everything that we talk about in the episode. I mean, not everything, but like in the fine fabric section and like random cute things that you might not have noticed. There will usually there's a nice gallery that you can look at everything in. Yeah. Until next time. Farewell, Bonnet's Playthings. 